This is Last Born in the Wilderness, and I'm your host, Patrick Farnsworth. Thank you for joining in this episode. I speak with Dare Sohei. But before I introduce Dare and the work that they do and the nature of the conversation we have, I first just want to thank the patrons of the podcast for their contributions on Patreon. Uh, if you want to also become a contributor or a supporter of this work, you can go to patreon.com slash lastborninthewilderness. You'll gain early access to these interviews before I put them on the public stream. There's some other exclusive content there, and you'll also get access to the Discord server, where we have some really engaging discussions. So please consider supporting this work at patreon.com slash lastborninthewilderness. All right, so Dare Sohei returns to the podcast. Dare was on back in 2020, and we continue the conversation from there. Dare is an animist artist, practitioner, and facilitator, and their work dances with the integration of animist indigenous lifeways with liberatory anti-oppression principles and non-dual somatics, which can be pithily summed up as death practice. And so that is really the focus of this interview around death practice. We discuss collectivism as the politics of wholeness, trauma and the story of the self and the proto-human matrifocal coalition and the ritual of no if you don't know what that means that's okay we're going to get into that in this discussion dare does an excellent job of explaining all of these concepts and walks us through all of these concepts these ideas one by one thank you to dare and if you want to support dare's work the best thing to do is to subscribe to them on substack at the nightgarden.substack.com that's where you can find most of their writings. You can also go to animistarts.art, where you can learn about their work with Larissa Call and sign up for courses, learn about what those are, and pretty much everything else that they're doing together. Uh, and of course, supporting their work on Patreon. So all of that's going to be at Animus Arts, as well as on their Substack. And that is it, everybody. Enjoy this discussion with Dare Sohei. Thank you for doing this again, because I've been, I mean, we can start now if you're you're ready. I can say this is Go. the, this is the beginning. Okay. It's the beginning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've, you know, of course we talked back in 2020 and mm. I think that was kind of the peak of my output for podcasts because mm. I think I was, the common language would be like, I'm processing this difficult time through all this sort of yeah. working, 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 right? Yeah. Um, and then I think, especially as of the past few months and the past year, really, but the past several months, I've really slowed down because I, I needed to. I think I was kind of sure. reaching a wall. And mm -hmm. so what I've realized over those months is I needed to figure out what I was in relationship with this work because I've used it as, an, as a way to 
build up an identity for myself. Like totally. I, I am Patrick the podcaster. I talk yeah. about doom and gloom. I talk about climate <laughs> change. I talk about how we're all fucked. Yeah, totally. But, <laughs> but at a certain point, I'm like, yeah. while that is maybe in the background and certainly a, a context I work in, um, it isn't a sustainable one and it's not something I can continuously hammer on about. So um, yeah, yeah, things, yeah. Have, things have changed and... That all said, I just, I think I've become more intentional and maybe selective in what I want to focus this energy I have on. Sure. So that's where you come in because- Wow. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, it's oh the God. same with like, uh, with Rachel too, you yeah, know, right, right. Um, having- right. yeah. There are certain people that- mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, I trust them. I respect their views and their- contributions to whatever we call this thing a conversation or whatever um yeah. if you want to call it that i don't even know what the right word is anymore but yeah, the point being is that i'm just happy you're here and i've been thinking it's been kicking around my head for a while to have you on so i'm really happy that you cool. are here and i think it's really about time because i think based on our first conversation to me that felt like a <clears throat> i wasn't quite not to say i wasn't ready but i i was a bit um, it felt like a crash course on some level. I was, yeah, I yeah. was a bit taken aback as a, yeah, I know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you remember. Yeah, I okay. I hear you. I mean, I remember part of the vibe. I, it's just, I have this conversation a lot. Sure. This particular kind of like dare, um, you say amazing things. Uh, I don't understand, but it, uh, what's, you know, like there's this kind of like, <laughs> is it too much? Am I prepared? And it's just like, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like, there's a lot of, and I think this this kind of conversation dovetails into sort of like why it's so hard for Westerners to communicate with each other, period. Oh, for sure. And I think that it's not just about interpersonal, like, talking heads who say, like, fancy words strung together because there's lots of those people and I don't really trust any of them. And I get that. Some, some people would say that I'm part of that cloud of people, mm -hmm. but I'm like, I'm not part of that cloud of people. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's differences that make a difference. And there's no, like, like you have to be able to hear the no inside of the yes. Right. Like there's, there's something about the respect and the, maturation process that a person has to go through that the culture will not help you go through like on a explicit level mm -hmm. like the culture is not really interested in you or me maturing because there's only one way that goes <laughs> mm -hmm. which is like anarchistic collectivist rebellion mm -hmm. disability justice mutual aid abolish the carceral system like there's only one way maturation really goes mm -hmm. like on some level like if you're just going to essentialize it. And so culture and the state have set up all of these temples halfway through the maturation process. So like you never really get to the end mm. because, because like you get a little bit and then they're like, now it's your brand, right? It's so so yeah. now you're in the temple of like, it's like a dead end cul-de-sac, but it's really nice. And they give you like fancy caviar, you know, like it, there is an incentive to not, finish your personal maturation process in this culture. Mm. Yeah. And um, we are sort of talking inside of that on a sort of macro level. There's a macro arrested development that has happened 
in America the last 200 years where people mm. are buffered from maturing in a certain collectivist way that would require us to say no <laughs> to people mm -hmm. with lots of money and actually mm -hmm. have that no be enforceable, mm -hmm. right? And so that trickles down to our interpersonal relationships or not really trickles down, it sort of trickles out. It's like an everywhere all at once kind of vibe. But um, mm -hmm. the conversation that I have a lot with people is they want to understand what I'm saying. Yeah, And that's code for can I match my knowledge center to yours so that everything you say fits into the already pre-existing storylines I kind of have? Mm -hmm. So it's like a kind of confirmation bias with like a hunger for being a smart person. Because if you're a smart person in this culture, then you can monetize it, right? Mm -hmm. So all yeah. of that cloud of like understanding i call it like a verb cloud now it's like not a word it's like a verb cloud it's like a bunch of hidden desires that we're not talking about masked mm. under this term called understanding that everyone sort of proudly flies their flag of like i want to understand what all the indigenous people are saying you know mm. what I mean? like mm -hmm. i want to understand and and it's like let's talk about these ideas more you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And it, and while I believe that it's fun and useful to play the game of understanding, which is what we're doing now in this podcast, we're playing part of the game of like, let's unpack some of these words and terms and ideas. And sure. But to think that that is the entire game is the problem I continue to see because this idea that people aren't ready for reality <laughs> or mm. they're like not smart enough to like understand mutual aid, like, like, mm -hmm. you know, or permaculture, like there some, there's always this kind of retroactive elementary school test thing in the background where like you haven't passed the test. So you don't get the merit badge. So you don't have access to the thing, right? Like there's a constant, like you're not, you don't have permission to do this thing, you know, constantly. Yeah. And right. um, it, I think it's, it's useful to just blow it out of the water immediately. Because if you think that understanding everything I'm saying on a conceptual level is what I'm trying to do, I'm just telling you now that's not, that's not what I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm. Like, my understanding only comes from hindsight. It doesn't come from foresight. It only comes from having experiences and sitting with them and reflecting. And then I can speak from that direct experience. Mm. Mm -hmm. It's not like I'm not pontificating or theorizing about a potential, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not theorizing. I'm actually just talking from direct experience. And I think that that's where a lot of people start to get a little, you know, rightfully so, I think you should be start to get a little terrified at this point in the conversation, because I'm basically saying you can't hide from life. You have to go live it, and then you reflect on it, and then you can talk about it, and people go, oh, you're so smart. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and, and it's like, but there's a lot of people who have lived it and don't talk about it, and they're smart too, you see? Like, mm -hmm. they're like, I'm, I don't really care that I'm just this person who can 
string these words together. I'm more interested in all the people um, doing the actual thing who don't ne maybe necessarily have the fate pattern that I do to be able to sort of talk about these things in a certain way. But it's like, I'm not better than them. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. those are the people that we should be looking towards, but they're not going to give you this understanding merit badge in the way that listening to informational things like we all do in this podcast world and conferences, it's, it's operating on a different reward schema. You see what I mean? It's a different mm -hmm. reward paradigm on some level. And I'm trying to sort of just bridge the bridge it back to say, you can understand as much as you want, but if you're using understanding to hide from what you actually have to do in your actual life, whether that's emotional work, therapy, like whatever, I don't really care what it is, you know? But if you're using understanding in order to say, well, once I understand it, then I can go have the experience. Hmm. That's the issue I keep seeing where it's like, if, then, but, you know, it's like, yeah. it's a constant if, then, but, and it's like, well, I don't have enough information. And it's like, dude, you'll never have enough information. <laughs> like the only way I am who I am is because I didn't have enough information and I risked my own reality, my sanity, my, right? Like I risked mm -hmm. things to have real experiences and then had to deal with the aftermath of those real experiences. And mm -hmm. now, now I'm 43 and I can talk about it. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So, um, what I'm trying to also tell people is like, all these words should be pointing you almost like backwards, not mm. forwards in time, but a kind of almost like there are things you've neglected. There are things that you've dismissed, denied, avoided, neglected that are actually like pressing on you. And you should just like turn around and deal with them. And suddenly after you deal with them, you'll find that you're like five miles down the path. So it's not like, how do I get over this mountain? It's like, what the fuck is in my shoe? Hmm. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly you deal with, how did that get in my shoe? How long has it been there? What the fuck do I have feelings about it for? You know what I mean? Like you mm -hmm. have all this. And then suddenly you, you get, you're like, you're a different person after that experience. Yeah. And then you're like less you're less like, well, there was a mountain. Where did it go? I guess it doesn't really matter because suddenly I'm here now. I'm actually in my real experience, not this uh, verb salad of like, okay, now we're gonna do we're gonna do emergent collectivist mycelial, you know, <laughs> you know, transformative justice, right? Like I just threw a bunch of words together, right? I just yeah. threw a bunch of words together, and like we're gonna go do it now collectivism <laughs> yeah but collectivism is actually like turning back to all the things that we've already neglected and being like oh this is much harder because it's not new and shiny mm -hmm. it's old and dirty <laughs> mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. old and dirty and people are angry right mm -hmm. they're mm -hmm. not like oh look permaculture it's like oh no it's like no deal with the rotting fucking corpses of your ancestors now because you never buried them properly in a metaphorical way, but also in a material way. You never dealt with things. So now you 
you're chasing, you're chasing ideas, but that's dissociation, right? So mm. that's sort of like the overall model is to go back and in, but also close and near. And to go, well, who's around me? And like, what's my actual situation? Mm-hmm. And deal with the things that actually I'm terrified of dealing with on some level. And so hopefully we'll get into sort of like a, you know, a little framework for how you would, how a person would just stop constantly denying or being dishonest about what's actually happening for them. Because right. that's, that's all, that's what I see on like a personal level is like, people constantly using fancy words to be dishonest about like what they haven't dealt with or what's actually going on for them mm-hmm. like in the moment, like really going on. Like they don't want to talk about it, but they'll talk about other things. They'll like mask it. And we all do that, right? We mask it because we're trying to defend ourselves from some kind of vulnerability pr- problem or something, you know, we're all doing it. It's totally fine. But part of it is getting past your own defenses. Yeah, to be a, be so honest that like it actually helps other people like care about you, mm-hmm. but not in a codependent way. It's 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 interesting. It's it's yeah. and it's definitely a maturation process. Like I said before, because like you have to fail a lot. <laughs> you have to yeah. really get your ass handed to you. Like it's mm-hmm. humiliating. What I'm talking about. It's fucking humiliating. Let's put it. Oh that yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's yeah. kind of like the overall, and then I'll talk. I'll. I'll I'll do the thing where I say a lot of fancy cool words because I like to do it, but I just want people to come back, be able to come back to like, Oh, Derek keeps saying it's not about the words. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I wanted to talk about um, death practice, but uh, I actually want to quote something you wrote yesterday. You Mm -hmm. posted yesterday and you wrote to be whole is dangerous to be collectivist, even more so risk anyway. Um, so yeah, I do want to, I think that fits a little bit into what we were just going over. Yeah. You know, what does it mean to be whole and why is it dangerous? I mean, cause again, we were talking about, sorry, I just want to reflect on yeah. something you said earlier about these yeah. kind of temples that you arrive at, that the culture has. So like you are on this sort of so-called spiritual path or whatever, yeah. and you reach a point of like, okay, now it's a brand. Now, maybe some people go further than that and they enter into another temple and they're like another Ram Dass temple. or yeah, Charles Eisenstein temple. or yeah, some other, you know, here we go. <laughs> we go, boom, 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 you know, and then these, there's a whole like, as you said, like a cloud of these types of figures that seem almost enlightened, but they have a brand, admittedly, yeah, yeah. you got to admit they have a brand and it's sort yeah. of a, a, a self-sustaining. How paying, it's how they're yeah. paying rent on stolen land. I mean, yeah. let's be really real. It's mm-hmm. I'm not even like, I'm not throwing shade. It's just that like, it's very useful to name the thing that's really happening. Not to sort of go, well, if then, but okay. And what I call that is like the flinch and the contortion. Mm. So <laughs> the truth is actually in the flinch, but most people flinch, don't unpack the flinch. And just contort around the flinch over and over until their sort of reality is just a bunch of contortions. So it's like this grotesque kind of, I don't know what you're talking about. There isn't 17 squirrels in my jacket. You know, there's a kind of (laughs) Mm -hmm. like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm totally comfortable. And, you know, you're like in a twisted shape. And Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. just kind of, you know, the, the reality is that like, 
you've been twisted up so long that you don't even know what comfort is because you you have to keep the ruse going. You have to keep the story going because if mm -hmm. you admit that some part of your story was a lie, oh no, now there's shame. Oh no, now there's guilt. Oh no, now I have to like apologize to people. You know, like there's this mm -hmm. whole, right? Instead of being like, well, thank fucking God I didn't die with that fucking headache. I actually get to like maybe apologize to people before I die instead of looking at it like it's a useful gift. In this culture, it's like a fucking sinful shock. The fucking like cannibal vampires will jump on you and be like, you know, try to steal all your status for themselves. Like it's a total mess, right? Of course. So no one wants to do this because the ecosystem that we're talking about is essentially like a hair trigger away from like witch hunts and mob mentality and like just rage discharge you know like anger just and like no one knows how to deal with like disagreement without it becoming like oh now you're trying to not like you're trying to unexist me mm, right mm -hmm. and so you have to come back to wholeness and wholeness is important because wholeness means that like you're whole even when you don't think you're whole which is all the times that you're exiling parts of yourself and parts of other people and trying to sort of unexist parts of reality because you don't, they don't fit into your grand unified theory of like goodness or something, you know? But if we bring disagreement back, but we sort of go, well, we can disagree, but we're not going to start doing what like Hitler did to people. Right. Like <laughs> yeah. we have to, we have to understand that we have the capacity to be that insane yeah, and to go, okay, so I'm going to watch that part of myself. And I, when we're disagreeing, I'm going to watch the part of myself that wants to eradicate you or me or some part of us because mm -hmm. I can't deal with the fact that I heard a no. Mm -hmm. Right. So this very, it's very toddler stuff. That's why it's all about arrested development because you can watch this stuff in toddlers, you know, it's like very real, you know? Yeah. Um, but to be whole is to sort of walk into life constantly going, yeah, there's going to be a lot of things I don't like. There's going to be a lot of pain I feel. There's going to be a lot of fear that I feel. And I'm also not trying to be a hypocrite about the pain and the fear that I feel. So we're, because we even do it to that. We're like, okay, so how do I solve all this fear? Right. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Like you hear that on the, as a subtext for everything. How do I solve all this pain for people? And then like 10 years later, you realize all the solutions just cause different kinds of pain outsourced to other people. Mm -hmm. You know, palliative care. Well, we make sure this person doesn't feel any pain. Yeah, but now everyone else around them is like fucking has no closure and everyone's fucked up and the family is poor now because the palliative care like went on forever. Yeah. So you're like, well, who, what are you talking about solving pain? You just created like more different kinds of pain all around this pain. Right. And you were like, gold star for me, you know? Mm -hmm. And everyone else is like, oh, I can't pay for my kid to go to college now. And now I drink more because I'm so upset that I couldn't afford to like do this medical procedure that the state told me I had to do for my dying mother. And now I'm a fucking terrible son, but it's like, it's all like, it's, none of this is really true. Hmm. Like your mom died. 
everyone's going to die. You could like love them as they die. Yes, it's going to hurt. And there's a lot of fear, but like, let's like, let's pause before we try to like dissociate from that a little bit or solve it. And that's what I kind of mean by wholeness is like getting to the point where you're no longer the first thing that you're always trying to do is stop feeling something that you're feeling Mm -hmm. to go, Oh, I'm really actually feeling that. Like, I mean, it's like a first step to be like, Oh, I don't really like this. You know, (laughs) you take Mm -hmm. a moment, you take a moment to be like, fuck, what's this about? Like you take a moment, you go back and in and close and near so that you're not jumping out of your own skin to be like, well, I'll just drink 13 more cups of coffee so I don't feel the fucking terror that I feel every day, right? Because I'm not processing shit. And right, because that's the culture we live in to go just put a band-aid on it and go back to work. But that's not wholeness because you'll then outsource that pain onto other bodies without even thinking about it because you're so backlogged. You're just so fucked. You're so angry. You're so scared. You're so sad. And so instead of being like, I'm angry, I'm scared and I'm sad, right? Like it's kind of dumb what I'm saying, right? It's Mm -hmm. kind of stupid to be able to go, yeah, when you, when, when this conversation's happening, suddenly I'm just like terrified. Yeah. And to like have no second, like to have no solution for that, <laughs> to have no like, and because I'm terrified, let's do this breath work together. Right. You see what I mean? It's like, no, 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 no. What if we just, ooh, you know, I really, okay, I, I really feel this way. We're not at there yet as a culture, for sure. We're not there yet because the minute I propose this to people, it's a thousand what if, but then if statements. Yeah. Because what I'm really saying is, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I get it. You have all of these reasons and excuses and justifications as to why you can't do what I'm talking about. And I'm saying that is like, can you see, can you see what's happening? It's like you're defending against the fact that you're defending and Now your whole life is about defending, but really you're going to brand it as something else. Solving, healing, right? Mm -hmm. I'm healing. It's like you can weaponize anything with words. You can weaponize anything. Anything Mm -hmm. can be turned into a cudgel for um, this kind of defensive fracturing or compartmentalization of the self or whatever you want to call it, you know? But that's... And the more you do this, the more you realize, yeah, there's an there's a violence-based incentive to not do this in our state. There's a violence-based incentive to not be whole because whole people say no to fucking states and cops. You see yeah. what I mean? Like whole mm-hmm. people actually are able to go, this is not right. And I have sovereignty over my body. So like, no. But the whole, the state is designed to be like, we're the arbiters of no. Mm. And -hmm. it's like, oh, now, now, now we can start to see how, like, why our emotions are so jacked up is partly based on the economic dissociation we're constantly involved in, in the state system. 
right? It's like, I'm emotionally dissociated because I'm kind of economically dissociated from my neighbors, hmm. right? We're not, hmm. we're not gathering food together. Me and me and my neighbors on this apartment strip are not collectively dealing with our actual survival, right? We're right. not do we're not doing that. So we're kind of dissociated economically. You go to your job and pay your rent to that landlord who I've never met. And I do the same thing. Yeah. And then that landlord gives us slips of paper that are outsourced through a manager to say, like, I just got this. And I'm not even angry about it. I'm just like using it as a example of like the constant outsourcing and economic dissociation of this, which is why it's like wholeness and collectivism. They're the same thing. It's just wholeness is what you decide is a individualistic idea. Mm-hmm. And collectivism is when you take that wholeness and say, I'm not actually an individual. Mm-hmm. So collectivism is like the politics of wholeness. Let's put it that way, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the politics of wholeness, which is like, we live in a society. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like we, like one human alone cannot fucking survive. Like, what do we, you know, like, duh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but then the the landlord gives us a piece of paper through a manager explaining why the rent will raise in May, right? But there's the levels of what seems like delegation, but is really a kind of defense against relationality because that's how the economic system is set up. You can be the boss who has like managers and then those managers deal with the people Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. and on and on and on and on and on forever and ever, right? And then the people buy things from stores but they don't deal with the makers and the makers are making things, but they're not dealing with the miners, the children, like scraping the cobalt out of the mines. Right. Right. Yeah. And I'm not just saying any of this to make anyone feel bad. I'm just saying like, this is actually honesty. <laughs> like this is like, to yeah. be honest, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, this, what came to my mind was um, uh, Tyson Yankaporta and his book, Sand Talk, and I re- I read it recently for the very first time. I was one of those books that people are like, you need to read this, you need to read this. And I'm like, okay, fine. You know, and then I did, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. enjoyed it. And the there's a chapter, I believe, in the book where he talks about violence. And there were a couple levels of it where he was describing within Aboriginal uh, communities, violence is dealt with differently. It's a more dispersed and frankly collectivist thing, right? Yes. The way that if there's a conflict between people, they can actually have a fight and people are there to kind of, I don't know, regulate it, but it's, it's sort of acknowledged yeah. and it's seen. Distributed. You're not having yeah. a fight in a vacuum. Exactly. <laughs> and on top of that, of course, what he was reflecting on is existing within the context of a settler colonial state of Australia, where a lot of people who are settlers, including someone like myself would be like, man, I, what's with this? Like there, there shouldn't be violence like this. This is disturbing. We shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. But of course, what he's referring to is violence is emanated somewhere else. It's being distributed elsewhere outside of and in the periphery of of our vision. So we can't see it. We might know about it vaguely, like you mentioned the cobalt mines or the this or the that, the the ways in which um, exploitation is put more out of you. Um, And then yesterday when I was kind of thinking and getting ready for our discussion today, I there was a conversation Tyson was having with um Daniel Christian Wall, who's kind of involved in the sort of regenerative community kind of building stuff. 
And they were talking about Finhorn, which is yeah. one of these kind of intentional communities yeah, yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. The point being that there was somebody there that had caught that had uh, lit some of the buildings on fire. There was some arsonist that was there. And what they were discussing is like how there was no people weren't willing to confront this person because they had done a bunch of egregious acts before they had violated boundaries before over and over and over again. And they were not dealt with. And with the way Tyson like talked, was like, we needed to drag that, that person should have been dragged to the center of the community. And they should have had to like, basically look everyone in the eye. Like everyone had to address it. And he's like, even describing it as like, you know, hitting the reset button between their eyes, like the sort of sense of like, you're acting violently and no one knows how to, address the violence in a way that is confrontational that ends the abuse that's right um interrupt the pattern because right. on some level on some level and i just want to inter- I'm, I'm sorry i'm yeah no i was just kind of like, spewing some ideas out there and seeing what yeah. stuck so yeah. so here's the here's the thing is that like tyson and i are similar in the sense that we understand there is a spirit world that encompasses this one that is not immaterial like it appears immaterial, but it's not immaterial. It's a real, it's a real ontological relational. It's a real mm-hmm. thing. It's a, it's not like fake made up. It's not like I imagined this place. It's not so easily reducible to any concept. It's like, oh, where do you come from when you're born and where you go when you die? Oh, wow. That's a mm-hmm. heavy stuff. But like, it's also the only way we, as a culture, as a civilization, as a, well, not really a civilization, but as a species, like kind of grew up making decisions. It's like, you know, deep history kind of shit, you know, which hopefully mm-hmm. maybe I'll get into later. But the point mm-hmm. is, is that like, so this person is not actually in control of themselves. So the first thing we have to understand is that we think we have free will and maybe we do sometimes maybe we have free will sometimes it's like part mm-hmm. of the palette of menu options on the screen of your life i could just walk over there and go get a drink of water i have free will okay sure kind of yeah you can kind of make these kind of agential moves based on your environment at and based on your ability level at some point if you have enough atp you know like you can kind of Mm. in the cat a number of ways right but the point is is that like that's only like part of the pie the other part of the pie is where the fuck did the impulse come from where did the urge to do the thing come from Mm. Mm -hmm. oh well it's just i'm thirsty sure but let's make something more complicated like why did you want to like go to that movie and not the ten thousand other movies that are playing Mm. It's like now it's not so simple as like, well, I was thirsty and I got up and I got water. It's free will. It's like, no, something (laughs) is happening far below the surface that you can't fucking comprehend that nobody can really comprehend, but we can go, oh, there's clearly something going on. Mm -hmm. And then it manifests as a behavior, whether that whatever that behavior is, whether that's like a smile, a frown, that's a behavior, whether that's moving getting up or laying down those are behaviors but even more complex behaviors like i'm going to light these buildings on fire mm-hmm. right like that's mm-hmm. a series of behaviors but clearly it's fucking you know something's going on to like cause this to even be a fucking option for this person right 
Like, because technically we all could do that. Like you could just fucking light your room on fire right now and be like, free will, I can do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you could, I mean, I could too. But the point is, that's not high on our list of fucking options. We're like, no, that's dumb. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But there are some people for many different kinds of very crazy non-dual reasons where that is the fucking option. That is at the top. That's like top five. Right. And now you have to look at something in a collectivist way, in a non-carceral way, but in a very real, you have to confront something about humanity. You have to. And you can't just keep outsourcing it to like ideas about good and evil. Because mm-hmm. that's a total outsource. That's not real life. Good people are good and people are bad. That's not fucking real life. People do things and those things have ripple effects and those ripple effects can be called good or bad, but they're usually a lot of them. Some good, some not so good. Well, good for who? Bad for what? You know, like it's fucking complex. It's life. It's not reducible to this idea of like Marvel superheroes. You know, Mm -hmm. Thanos is just going to snap. It's like, (laughs) that's funny and weird. And also like, what the fuck does that even mean? You know, like what is happening, you know, and we take it for granted because we're like, oh, it's a story and the good guys beat the bad guys and I feel good and I love it. But I'm not going to try to like superimpose like Marvel comic book ideology on real life because that's great. That doesn't fucking make any sense. People are like not that, but there's an arsonist. Okay, there's an arsonist. And if you look with more than just your material eyes, you can see that that arsonist had parents and grew up somewhere with lots of other inputs, maybe drug abuse or a school system or some, some like there's lots of things start to, you start to go, oh, right. So what leads a person to have this behavior On one level, you can say, well, it's still material conditions because like if they weren't abused and their parents loved them, they wouldn't have set the fire. This is also easily, this is too too easy. It's too easy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because even in collectivist cultures where everyone is like kind of chill and like hunter gatherers, every once in a while you get this fucking person Mm. who's like, I'm going to do these things that no one else thinks are okay Mm -hmm. and so our ancestors had to deal with this in real time not like a concept about it but like a kind of like hey nine out of the ten kids are fine nine out of the ten kids are fine and everyone got the same love and the same food right like and still that one fucking kid is kind of scary and dangerous. And what the fuck is that about? Mm. Mm -hmm. So you have to go a little deeper into like, there is an immaterial spirit world, maybe call it ancestors, call it reincarnation, call it whatever the fuck you need to call it to just get past this threshold, which is to say, there is something moving through the system that that the individual system itself doesn't know how to deal with and actually can't deal with. It's like saying, 
I was born with like uranium in my pockets, but I have no idea how to build the lead that protects anyone from the uranium. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But somebody else, these 10 other people, they know how to protect, right? Like they're like, well, I know how to make the fucking like shell lead, shell, right? It's like, I can help. So what's happening is, is that each of us are inheriting non-consensually. And this is also like what breaks people's minds. It's like, I have free will. It's like, yeah, sure. You consented to be born. Okay, let's fucking, let's get real here. Nobody fucking (laughs) consented to be born, to have diseases. No one fucking does that shit. There's no like karma police, you know, writing you tickets in the spirit world. There's that's not how it works. Uh But there is something called karma, which is just consequences, which is just non-human, multi-interdependent, plural ecosystems bouncing off of each other and creating consequences that ripple forward. That's all it is. It's just ripples, right? It's like, oh, something happened. And that's what that's what's happening. Something yeah. things are happening. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about an individual person who's like, say, doing doing violence, we have to assume on some level that they are actually not able to stop without help. Like something like because they would if they could, right? Yeah. So you have to go. So this person is actually carrying something that is all of ours, but it's concentrated in their body and they're going crazy from it. They're actually not, they're actually not able to have the same kind of control that we're having looking at the situation. They're not able to go, oh, I have this crazy impulse. I'm just not going to act on that. They have no impulse control on a certain level. Is it their fault? Did they decide that? No, no, it doesn't make any sense. Like a kid decides to have cancer, it fucking makes no sense. So, but as a collective, we've outsourced this kind of wisdom knowledge, which is, hey, there is no such thing as an individual. And at any time, any individual body could manifest some kind of crazy spiritual issue that the collective has to deal with that is not consensual. Like they didn't wake up and go, oh, I'm going to embody the spirit of murder so that the collective can be well. That's not how it works, right? Well, isn't there an aspect of this? I mean, I'm sure you're not ignoring this at all, but I have just part of me comes up as like, okay, this individual who's the arsonist, yeah, we have to, they they have to be responsible for their actions. Sure. Right. So yes, there's a collectivist response, which is to protect the community and to protect even that person from themselves to a great degree. But that person, in order to even reach a place of like, right, right coming to a different place would be to take responsibility for those impulses and the, that karma that you've described. And that's the, that's, and that's like the first step in a large ecosystem of steps, which is to say, because, and this is the sticky wicket we find ourselves in because we don't have a collective that's willing to distribute responsibility. We don't have a collective that's willing to distribute responsibility. We have an outsourcing and a concentration of responsibility in various bodies. And we, this is called racism, sexism, mm-hmm. you know, this is like, oh, I'm just, oh, look at all the thugs, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, but like these white boys doing crime is, they're not thugs, you know, like it's very, um, it, it hits at the actual issue, which is that, let's say that this so this arsonist really wanted to heal part of their soul or whatever their personality matrix was like, I need to 
stop being controlled by this crazy impulse, this addiction I have, this whatever. They could theoretically turn their life around and take full and total responsibility for everything that was coming through their system without any outsourcing. And this is, if this sounds Buddhist, you know, Mm -hmm. well, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's not because it's Buddhist. It's because there is an option on the table, which is regardless of the collective well-being or welfare or distributed politics, regardless of what's going on around me, I can decide to be fully responsible and deal with that as a path, like a wisdom path. Doesn't mean I'm going to, anyone's going to forgive me. It doesn't mean anything really, other than the individual person has to go, I take responsibility for everything that's happened, even though I know that some of what happened was not actually all my responsibility. But what what is my responsibility is how it came through me. And that's what I'm taking responsibility for. Mm. Because the minute you pull on this thread, that arsonist is not them. That arsonist is dozens, if not hundreds or thousands of tangled karmic threads from other people that are related to them that are looking for some kind of revolution and don't know how to do it don't know how to get that revolution and it appears as arson because it's like a constipation like if you can't take a shit you're going to get another problem down the line right mm-hmm. it's like a it's like a backlog it's like well the real problem is that you're constipated but now you've been constipated for 30 years so now you have these secondary and tertiary problems called alcoholism and arson or whatever right mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so so pulling back the thread means that you really have to be willing to engage in a lot of things that the Western science mind um, just kind of dissociates from and says, well, I don't want to think about any of that. I don't want to feel any of that. You can't prove it. So who gives a shit? But here's the thing. When it comes down to real people, you can't outsource reality like that. You can't be like, well, the science doesn't doesn't prove that there's a such a thing as ancestors that influence your body. Mm-hmm. Well, no shit, because it's not looking for that, because it doesn't want to find it. There's no one doing fucking studies on like, right, so like ancestors talk to some people and not others. What's that about? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, well, they actually talk to everyone. You're just not listening correctly. And then when you don't listen, bad shit happens because your impulses that are not so good are actually those ancestral talkings that are sort of un like unfiltered they're like not cleaned up it's like drinking dirty water you know it's like well if you drink dirty water you're going to get sick because there's bacteria and protozoa in the water it's not that the water was trying to kill you but there's some things in the water you see what i mean Mm -hmm. so we're already in this soup we can never become clean or pure from it that's the other thing there's no purity here but there is a kind of management of relationships all the way in every direction Managing your impulses is also managing your ancestors, which is also managing how the collective allows emotions to exist or not exist in the culture. Because before it was arson, it was rage. And before it was rage, it was something else. Pain, maybe. Like Mm -hmm. not even an emotion. You see, it's like 
well, I'm angry. Well, why are you angry? Because I'm in pain all the time. Is pain an emotion? No, not really. And now you're getting to the part where words start to fail because you're like, oh, I can't just do my emotional freedom technique on this. Yeah, because it's not so simple. It's not so easily controllable. But you have to be willing to at least engage in a process of unwinding these defense mechanisms to get to something that's actually true, which is like, this person's probably in a lot of fucking pain and afraid all the time. And we have to actually ask ourselves why, like what's causing that? Not like, oh, they're a bad person. Yeah, but they did this thing. So you're dealing with two things at the same time. We need to drag them into the middle of the circle and hit the reset button. But what Tyson isn't maybe necessarily saying is the process by doing that reveals something to the collective and the individual that can't really be easily talked about, mm. which is essentially like a psychedelic revelation of like, how did we get here together? Mm. How did we all, and you, because you're the asshole that burned these fucking buildings down, but how did we all get here? Because like you said, this person had already showed signs of being a violent person before they burned the buildings down. So clearly, the collective had ample opportunity to intervene before the arson. But yeah. the collective also had some ghosts, which were like, I'm a pacifist. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And, that, and that has a result. Yes. It's not, it doesn't mean it's a great result because in this case, their passivism actually caused some of their buildings to get burned down. Yeah. And now the collective has to take responsibility for their false and inaccurate ideology that they're defending themselves from something else from, right? They're defending themselves. Like the use of an ideology like passivism is to defend yourself from feeling something you don't want to feel. Mm-hmm. It's not like pacifism that understands that sometimes the pat most pacifist thing you can do is punch somebody because that person's going to like kill some children or something. Yeah. Right. It's like, I'm a pacifist, but in the right situation, I'm going to knock somebody out because that's the right thing to do for the collective at that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes you might have to kill a person, but hopefully you don't go that far. And then the, the police, the police state has sort of like, done that too much because now they're just killing people when they could just fucking like tie them up and be like you know right. what i mean yeah, like, yeah yeah like so so you have all of these factors going on but when it comes down to the real life situation it's like each of us is carrying a bunch of energy and that energy causes impulses and behaviors to appear as free will but it's not really mm -hmm. and then we have concepts to explain and to defend ourselves from feeling the things we don't want to feel because they feel like shit right so mm -hmm. i've you know here's the layer cake it's a layer cake right and yeah. all i'm saying is that use words to go under words instead of using words to build up more sediment so you don't have to find out what's under there mm. sure because we're not going to get rid of language. That's dumb. Why would you want to do that? But the point is, we need to use language in a far more efficacious and revelatory way that allows us to actually be with real experiences and then use language to kind of 
shape, right? It's like nudging, shaping, buffering, mitigating, titrating, all these nice words. Mm-hmm. You're using language to kind of go, okay, and I feel, you know, I'm going to reflect. Oh, now I'm going to, you know, express, and then I'm going to be quiet now. You know, this this way that language can be a kind of mediator for your own experience instead of a tool for the state, which is us acting as agents of the state using language to continually build up these chasms and these defenses for like talking about reality, which is what this state does. Because the minute you say animism, the minute you say ancestors, you suddenly have this entire resistance force rallying against you. Mm-hmm. And you have to ask yourself, what the fuck is like, what is that about? Because imagine you just said marshmallows and people wanted to hurt you. <laughs> like, you know, the absurdity right. of mm-hmm. it. Yeah, but sure. there are things that start to make people, certain people who are a little more like inclined towards conservatism and fascism, these behaviors of narcissism, right? They're a little more inclined to be like, dominators right yeah you say a word that triggers all of their like defenses because they don't want to feel things that they don't want to feel and suddenly you're bad and you're like worthy of attack and exile so we're talking about the same things whether that's in a group body whether that's in your own body whether that's an entire society a political body it's the same it's like the same mechanism of events. It's the same, like, I don't want to feel what's actually happening. And in that moment, you really have to, that's the choice point really is like, that's the choice point. Are you going to feel what you don't want to feel? Because the person next to you might not. And it'd be easier if they did it with you. Let's face it. It'd be easier to do it together. It'd be much nicer if we had collective rituals where we felt the things we didn't want to feel together, right? Mm-hmm. But because we live in a society that has sort of built itself up for 10,000 years to not do that on purpose, it's mm-hmm. a purposeful, it's purposeful dissociation based in like agriculture and domination and patriarchy for like 12,000 years. It's purposeful. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it has a design. Mm-hmm. And because we're living inside of that design, it feels so impossible to do what I'm saying sometimes. Yeah. It feels literally like we will die if we do it. Mm-hmm. And that's part of why I call it death practice, because if you feel like you're going to die because you are going to, you're trying to feel something you don't want to feel, then you're on the right track. Because mm-hmm. that's a weird, that's weird. Like think, just think about it from a kind of, observational rational sense i don't want to feel this thing and now i'm going crazy and i want to like drink a bunch of alcohol and not (laughs) and not exist you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and it's like well it must be on the right track because that's a total bonkers that's like totally bonkers that's like cartoon logic right yeah but we don't like to admit that so that cartoon logic becomes normal Instead of going, well, I'm clearly defending against something because all my behaviors are pointing, right? Like the ability to go, oh, I'm totally ignoring something in my system. Mm -hmm. 
like, you know, like you can develop the capacity to be like, oh, no, I'm totally, totally avoiding something right now. And, yeah. and I can feel that like I know because I'm really afraid if I think about doing it, I get really afraid and angry. <laughs> Is that I mean, I wanted to tie this into with individualism and trauma, because yeah. that's something you've talked about more recently, and I'm sure over the years as well. But yeah, this story that we have of ourselves trauma fits into that now while the experiences you had obviously do shape you and they shape your responses absolutely that becomes a story and it also yes. creates um as you've described as like a hamster wheel of def like you jump on this thing of defending against the defenses that you've created to defend against something so it's just this endless cycle and there's really right. no liberation there there's no, no getting to the other side of that no, the only yeah. way to get to the other side of that is to recognize you're doing it and be able to stop and notice how easy you start up again. Like that's, mm -hmm. and this process is really obvious when someone's like detoxing from a hard drug. You like, you know, like, okay, drug and alcohol rehabilitation. Your system is addicted to this chemical substance now. And when you don't have it, you go into withdrawal. Yeah. And withdrawal has a number of behaviors. You sweat, you swear, you throw things at the wall, you get angry at people, you scream that you want to die, all the, all the things, right? Brrr, withdrawal yeah. symptoms. Now we see that and we go, well, that's obvious because it's a chemical substance. But what people don't want to recognize is that your emotions are drugs, your behaviors are drugs, your relationships are drugs. You can weaponize anything. So if you don't get what you want, you start to go into withdrawal because you're addicted to some kind of pattern in your life, some storyline of who you actually really are. And you're addicted to a narrative schema that like is you. And it's like, well, no, that's not really you. Come on. Like you're not, mm -hmm. you're not a story. But the problem we have is that people are so, let me talk about it a different way. Real life is scary. Being born is the scariest thing that will ever happen to you. People think death is like the worst thing. No, no, no. The reason you die is because you were born. You don't die from cancer. You don't die from car accident. You die from being born. And being born puts you in positions where you will experience pain and fear and hunger. Mm -hmm. Like straight mm -hmm. up. And hunger can be desire, but let's just fucking stick with hunger. So you're born, and now you're subject to these fucking issues. Yeah. Pain and fear and hunger. Pain and fear and hunger. I have to wear clothes? Why? Because if you don't, you get frostbite, and it'll suck. Oh, my God. This is so fucking annoying. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, mm -hmm. this is not my beautiful house, right? This is not my beautiful life. You know, like, this idea that somehow we were promised heaven, and we got this, like, shit field of, like, things we have to do. So I believe that most people are just freaking outraged at life because life is like a betrayal of their ideal. Yeah. Like being alive is a fucking mess. And so even if we took away all these defense mechanisms like racism, classism, capitalism, which are all defense mechanisms for feeling shit you know i want a better life why do you want a better life oh i don't, don't ask me that question right don't ask me why i want all this money because <laughs> i would have to unspool the hamster wheel i would have to go oh fuck god damn it uh i don't want to talk about this i'm so angry 
yeah, I'm so angry. I'm so sad. I'm so in pain. I'm so afraid. These are kind of core components of being born. You don't get to like opt out of this just yeah. because, oh, you're born. You, oh, you didn't check the pain box. Oh, good for you. You're luck fucking, no, it doesn't fucking work that way. Mm-hmm. Every single being that gets born, and I'm talking about humans, but I could just as easily talk about salamanders and I don't fucking care. Right. So every single being that gets born into this kind of dualistic material world of samsara where there are individual bodies that need to eat other bodies to survive. We're here now. We're in this dream. Okay. This is the dream where I need to eat and shit and kill other things to survive. Well, that's a fucking, that's fucking weird. Oh, how do I deal with that? Well, I'm going to make up stories and I'm going to create protocols and you know, well, now I'm going to create culture so that I can mitigate and uh, outsource. And uh, mm-hmm. But the point being is that like we as a people, have not really collectively without a religious without a religious temple because this is part of the issue is like now oh now catholics do this and buddhists do this it's like no no just be fucking people just be a whole fucking person and deal with the fact that we're all very angry or whatever tag the word in there we're all very upset that pain exists and fear exists and we're hungry and we don't know what we want and we want everything and we're kind of greedy and we're kind of fucked up and we're going to die. Oh my God. Oh, fucking <laughs> Jesus. You know, oh, gee. now I have to have a religion to deal with that. Well, no, you don't need to have a religion to deal with that. Um, in fact, everything I'm saying, it could be considered highly spiritual, but it's definitely not religious. It's, it's just an ability to be with what's happening. It's just an ability to sort of go, yeah, man, I'm fucking feeling. I'm a feeling. I'm feeling a way about this. I'm fe- I'm. Ooh, I'm. I'm angry, and I want to punch the wall. Oh, that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. You know. So when we get to this place where we could actually be honest about this mess that we're in, which is called being born, from that place of honesty, we can build systems to sort of go. Well, how are we going to be okay enough? Oh, things have to die for us to live. Well, that's that's yeah. a puzzle, right? Like you really have to sit with that and go, well, okay, let's let's figure this out, right? And and because we continually outsource all of that, we're not giving anybody the ability to really chew on reality enough to go. Oh, so it's kind of my responsibility too. That oh, right, right. Mm-hmm. You know, so so I'm just trying to get back to a place where we're all kind of in this shit pile together, and we've sort of over the years created worse and worse idea fucking you know idea defenses in order to be like. Well, so-and-so is king of that quadrant of the ship pile. Instead of being like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, we're all, it's all, sh- it's all ship pile. We're all, it's all of us all the time, ship piling together. And what our, what our grandmothers figured out about 300,000 years ago, because 
one of the defenses against feeling bad is rape. Like this is fucked up to say, but it's like real. One of the defenses in the ape kingdom, the ape, the monkeys, is to just do what you want, to like by force. Mm -hmm. forceful like abuse and rape and killing other people's kids because you don't want them to take over it's like game of thrones right it's like super game of thrones right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what our grandmothers figured out which was an emergent process it's not like they had the language to figure this out and like talk about it they had to figure it out by doing experiments which was if they all banded together and protected those who were of menstrual fertility age. Mm. If they banded together in these coalitions in it with it with a ritual barking that is called mobbing in the animal world, but we could call it cackling in the human world, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which was like a kind of barking laughing, a kind of bark laugh. So mm. a bark is to say stay away, and a laugh is interesting because a laugh comes from barking so like laughing is actually kind of a dangerous or not dangerous but it's a threatening behavior Mm. because it tells other creatures that you have teeth and that you have Mm. a voice and you're not going to lay down for them yeah that they were able to sort of create the first ritual which was the ritual of no and it had everything to do with sex fertility uh, bleeding, menstruation, um, and the ability to build a coalition that counter-dominates or reverse-dominates the dominator. Because if you do this, some of the men will join you because by helping you, they actually get something. They get life. They get like bond bonds and children that don't fucking kill each other. So the, the beginning of a society is the ability for women to band together, take care of each other, and take care of each other's kids. So this is like the beginning of it all. The ability to not feel like your friend's child is a danger to your child. So it's just it's just everyone's taking care of all the kids. And then at certain times of the month, you do this ritual which reinforces the no the collective no of women saying you don't get to fuck us whenever you want. Mm -hmm. And over time, this creates society because it stops fucking rape culture. It doesn't completely stop it, but it stops it long enough that we could have something that would be considered like what we consider human culture, which is like, hey, look, all the kids are playing together and those people are getting the food and those people are cooking it. Like, how did we get there? I just kind of explained it. Yeah. Because before then, it was like free-for-all, dominating, tribal, and very like um, survival of the fittest kind of idea. I mean, it's obviously not so simple, but imagine, so you can't imagine this, but this is kind of funny. Imagine a human reality in which people didn't cooperate. You can't do it, right? Because the Mm. only way we're human is because some of these women, like way back when our brains were half the size they are now, I'm talking like proto-humans, 
figured out, oh, right, cooperation is the only fucking way we have a better life. Mm -hmm. And in order to cooperate, we need to develop the very first defense force, which is like a police force, but it's decentralized because it's not really about policing anyone. It's just about counter dominating. It's like saying you don't get to do what you want all the time. If you realize that that's baked into humanity, like that's our baseline. Without that, we don't know ass from our elbow. We're basically just chimpanzees cannibalizing whatever we want. You know, we're, we're not chimpanzees. We're humans. It's different. And then over the years, because we are able to develop language because of the safety of society, the only way we develop complex language is to have a safe enough time for long enough time. And that's because our grandmothers figured out how to have this matrifocal coalition building. Um, and then suddenly our brains double in size and we have symbolic language and song and dance and all this crazy, amazing stuff. And then we start developing ideologies. <laughs> and yeah. now it's like, well, shit. Um, and so this is kind of where we're at. It's like, we have all this baseline. And then from the baseline, it's a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. Because like, like, it's like what I tell people, it's like, the concept of heaven creates the concept of hell. And now we're fucked. Mm. Because before we had the concept of heaven and the concept of hell, it was just life. It was yeah. just reality. There's no problem. But the minute you just, the minute you create or conceptualize a better than here, you create a worse than here. <laughs> and now yeah. you're down the path, the slippery slope, you're down the chute, the tube, right? It's like, mm -hmm. and now you get complex religions, dominating forces, Spanish Inquisition, you get all this crazy shit that we're like still dealing with from the fact that we created a concept of better than worse than instead of just life is messy and we're all in the shit pile and there's no actual better than because the better than worse than concept allows me to be a king and you to be a slave this is the whole thing master slave dynamic it comes from this capacity of like i want to dominate we don't want you to dominate I want to dominate. We don't want you to dominate. I want to dominate. We don't want you to dominate. And then over time, politics happens. And now we have a bunch of people going, I have the right to dominate you because. And a bunch of like coalitions kind of being like, oh, well, if I like, if I like am your concubine or whatever, then I'll have some more money and be let into let into whiteness, right? You know, mm -hmm. you have all of this. Mm -hmm. And then you have some people who are like, no, coalition buildings, unions, anarchy, Zapatista movement, who are like, the only way we get out of this is to disregard all of it. Like you can't fawn, you can't appease, you just have to say no, mm -hmm. no, no, no. And then you have these other people like, how much for your yes? Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, how mm. much for your yes? I know you've said no, but how much for a yes? Like, this is where we're at today. And I'm just, you know, I think that people need to feel that totality in their system, like this deep history. Because this, this political moment is actually playing out emotionally for all of us almost all of the time. 
Yeah. How much for your yes? Well, I said no. How much for your yes? That's happening internally, but it's also happening interpersonally a lot of times. And I think that we get very confused about how intimate that really is. Like, because we're playing out something that has been playing out for 300,000 years. We're not yeah. like, oh, this is new. It's like, this is not new. This is like intimately connected to every ancestor you've ever had. Right? This is like yeah. how we were able to cooperate and then how we stopped cooperating sometimes. And it's, and it's terrifying. It's like grief strict, like, you know, the shit that no one wants to deal with is all in this story. Like how sad and how angry and how traumatized and, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because my individual trauma and your individual trauma is not actually our individual trauma. It may have happened to your body or it may have happened to my body, but that doesn't make it personal on some level. We're actually sharing in a much larger collectivist consequence. And it just happens that way. Well, you got this shit and I got that shit. But yeah. if we come together and share our shit, we realize on a certain level, I should stop telling the story of my personal trauma because it's actually preventing me from actually being in relationship with you. Because now we're playing the oppression Olympics. You see? Yeah. So getting people to this place where they can admit that they're traumatized, but then go beyond the personal trauma narrative into collectivist shared well-being, that's where I'm trying to talk from because I played this like, well, if yeah, do your polyvagal and let's talk about trauma for like a bunch of years. And I just saw that it reinforces this idea of individual like main character syndrome. Mm -hmm. Like, it, but, but you're not a hero. You're just a poor asshole villain or something, or, or you're a poor victim, <laughs> mm -hmm. but it's like, it's still main character syndrome. You're still like, Oh, me and all of my triggers. And I, uh, uh, and it's like, I can really respect and understand how it feels to be like that. But the answer doesn't lie in continually reinforcing that kind of narrative ontology right it doesn't yeah. work because mm -hmm. you have to be able to go i have trauma and you have trauma what are we going to do about our shared situation which it requires us to put our shit a little bit away for a second to go i'm not going to just keep pulling out the race card or the sex card or the you know i'm not going to keep pulling it out to like dominate you mm -hmm. like a punch and judy show Mm -hmm. do, 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 you know the little <laughs> club hammer and it's like mm -hmm. oh do, 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 you know this kind of thing where it's like yes we've all been differently abused it's true but at what point does someone get enough maturation to go i don't need to focus on that anymore i need to focus on coalition building because it's the only way we get free together so it's my hope that the trauma narrative in the West evolves quicker than it's doing because what is happening is it's just feeding back into personal brand identity. Yeah. Like you figure out how to heal your trauma and then you sell a mastermind coaching course about it. And it's like, wait, this is not, that's just like, this is the temple and the side 
Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. But this is actually where we're at with like a bunch of like very smart people who get to write books. And then those people are famous and they get to buy 15 houses. It's like, wait a second. Do you see what has just happened? Someone tried to help the collective. And then you were like, well, how much for your yes? Mm. Two houses, three houses, the ability to go to Italy whenever you want. How much? Because the state is going, yeah, yeah, all of this is really good, um, but it could be used against us. That's the state. The state is going, yeah, yeah, Byron Katie. Yeah, 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 Brene Brown. This is all really good shit. All the white women love you. Um, But if they love you too much, uh, they're going to band together with all the black women and uh, overthrow the state. So how much? Yeah. This is actually the secret conversation going on in the background of our lives. I'm pantomiming it because I think we need to have that kind of ability to go, what is this? What's really going on? And it like acted out like a theater. But that's what I keep seeing is like, oh, great. You wrote a book. It's best selling. Great, great, great. Now you're on Amazon. Oh, we're not going to talk about Amazon. You see what I mean? Like, we're yeah. not going to talk about all of these. Pra- oh, but, but you're bestseller on Amazon. And now you get to like, you get to buy a house or you could pay for your medical bills or you could donate it to, you know, you could do all these things with the capitalist money, but you're still part of the system. Yeah. Well, not to idealize this particular yeah. movement, but the uh, Rainbow Coalition, the Black Panthers, yeah. where you had Fred Hampton. I mean, the yes. thing that I think really pushed, because they were certainly being infiltrated and yeah. um, disrupted right. by the FBI and the state, right, yes. at that point. But I think what really pushed it over the edge to the point where Fred Hampton was assassinated, like yes. killed in his home or in yes. a home, yeah, yes, killed. literally yeah. by police or the FBI, was at a certain point, he's like, you know, this black liberation thing is great, but we got to do this with everyone else too. 100%. We can't, we can't do this by ourselves. We can't just One, liberate. 1,000 yeah. million percent. Yeah. So we're getting to the point where like, like even I, the more I talk about this, the more I can feel like a kind of death eye on me. Really? Like I'm not, and I'm not like pretending I'm special. I'm not trying to be a mm-hmm. fucking hero, a leader. This is stupid. I'm trying to, be, I'm trying to be, in community with other people. But it's obvious what has happened to anyone who has eloquence, who can talk about these things in a way that wakes people out of their compartmentalized competition with each other. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is to say, uh, I want black liberation and I want indigenous liberation. And I want, right? It's like you just go down the line. And I actually also want all the Europeans to be liberated. And I also want, so you're getting to a place where it's like, and the way we get liberated is by self-governance models, right? Mm-hmm. Like distributed leadership, collective mm-hmm. mutual aid, abolition of the carceral state and police. We, we have to actually abolish the soldier class of humans. We can't just decide that some people get to wield violence with impunity. Mm-hmm. Right. You ha- mm-hmm. eventually you pull on all the threads and you say, yeah. I want people to be real again and to stop doing this thing. And actually, even the people doing it want a different option. Mm-hmm. But then there are some people that are so possessed by the narcissistic ghost. And we know who these people are. 
Trump, DeSantis, all these crazy motherfuckers, right? These people who are like white power and the fucking, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. there's only two genders and these yes. people that are just kind of mm-hmm. bonkers, you know, they're just yeah. off their meds, you know? Um, <laughs> they're not trying to build coalitions. They're trying to build dominance models and hierarchy models, right? It's like, it's obvious. They want one kind of tippy top king or queendom and then they want everyone else to just get in line and go back to work in the mines you know what i mean like it's very real yeah that they're invested in a certain kind of dominance model and those people are not going to think twice about making you and or i expendable because we actually are expendable on some level which gets back to the core issue they also know that they're expendable and they hate that they never want to feel that way. They never want to feel like, oh, you mean I'm just another fucking plebe who can die of cancer like anybody else? I'm just another fucking regular ass person. These people don't want to feel any of that. They don't want to feel like a regular person. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So this idea that people are expendable is the outsourcing of their inability to feel their wholeness and their just plain regularness. Like they're not better than anybody or they're not actually worse than anybody. But the point is, is they want to be better than other people because the concept of being better is so intoxicating. It's a narcotic. And and I say this too. I say power, unless power is wielded by a coalition, it's a narcotic. Mm. And even when it's, and even when power is wielded by a coalition, that coalition needs to understand its narcotic effects because it can easily become like mob mentality, cancel culture, like kind of witch hunts, kind of insanity. So power, which is to say the ability to affect other people and other beings and the land, it's like not just humans. It's like the ability to affect on a mass scale the world around you is power, Mm -hmm. right? Mm Mm-hmm. And that power, if not checked with checks and balances that actually matter, which is the no that can be enforced, right? It has to be a no that is enforceable because a no that isn't enforceable is jack shit. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. If it's not, if there isn't a no that's enforceable, then power is like cocaine that never ends. It's a constant dopamine mania cycle. Because, yeah. oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna destroy that river. Oh, I'm gonna burn down that tree. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And at a certain point, you get like maniacs. Like mania becomes maniacs because there's no no that's enforceable. And they're just like, well, I get, you know, they don't say this, but they're like, I feel great when I fucking murder all the trees. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. And that's also, fucking demonic but like no one wants to talk about that part of it you know like the part that like yeah you're so angry at being born that you want to fucking kill all the trees or whatever just pick a poison fucking cares Mm -hmm. um but we're we're we need to in this i think day and age and i don't want to say like build bridges or no, no no this is nonsense we need to have no's that are enforceable but we need to in that no we have to make sure we are not just replicating this idea of expendability, right? 
because what I see in a lot of social justice is like a little bit of like collective well-being and like the know that matters. This is great. This is great. But then you also see this real quick to being expendable kind of feeling. Like mm. if you don't get in line quickly enough, you are the enemy and you are expendable. Mm -hmm. And I think what Fred Hampton and the Rainbow Coalition was recognizing was this. Like there are no fucking expendables. Mm -hmm. Like for something to be expendable, a council of elders has to fucking pontificate on that shit for a while. Like, like in order to be like, shit, this person might actually not be able to be a functioning member of society. Fuck, we got to like reflect on this, you know? Yeah. But we have a culture where we're um, rewarded for not reflecting on that. Just hit cancel, just hit execute, just kill them, just put them in jail, just fucking get rid of them, just fucking get out of my face. I never want to see you again. Yeah. Because we're rewarded for that, we're, that's also a form of mania. Mm -hmm. Like, just get away, just anger, anger, push, push, push. That's a form of mania. And I've engaged in it, everyone's kind of engaged in it, because it's easy to engage with it. The platforms we have support that kind of engagement. So to be a responsible person, we need to sort of recognize that like we need no's that are enforceable, coalitions that are surrounding women, and that means shared child labor and ch child care and, you know, take care mm -hmm. of the moms. That's what that means. Mm -hmm. But then we also need this ability to reflect in both private and public spaces about how easy it is to dissociate from what we don't want to feel and how easy that dissociation matrix sort of expendabilizes us and others. Like allows us to actually believe that that's an option that we should in, like have on the table. Yeah. But mm -hmm. it, it really is a little bit like chicken egg, but it's also a bit like one equals two and then the dominoes rolling downhill really fast, you know? Mm -hmm. like, like once we're so used to dissociating, then any single person that reminds us of what we don't want to be reminded of is expendable. I mean, that's how far it gets. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have such mass racism with the police. It's like that little kid's skin reminded them of the thing they don't want to remember. It had nothing to do with the fact that, you know what I mean? Like if we get down to brass tacks, it's like, the person's existence and the way that they appear, the way that they are born with dark colored skin, you know, like, wow, was a trigger for the cop because the cop doesn't want to remember something or feel something. Mm -hmm. And so that body becomes expendable, not because they did anything wrong. They're going to justify it that way for sure. They're yeah, going to yeah. like make up a story about, you know, like whatever. Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. point is, is that their very existence triggers an expendability outrage response mm -hmm. so that they want to get that person away from existing as soon as possible so that they can go back to feeling like everything's okay and they're a good person. Mm -hmm. And I have sympathy for the cop at the same time not a whole lot of sympathy for sure because it's fucking insane what's happening but the point is is that that person is also like 
living in a complete state of terror and weirdness all the time. Sure. Because you've been given authority to kill people and you haven't examined why. Mm -hmm. Like, not really. You haven't really examined what the fuck is going on in your own behavioral and societal matrix. You're not actually going, well, this doesn't make any sense. Why is that person expendable and I'm not? Yeah. Like, what is going on here? Like, why did they have to steal to fucking feed themselves? That doesn't make any sense. They're not, they're not putting the pieces together, you know, they're, and so they're just like, no, I'm a good person and I'm a good soldier and mommy and daddy love me because I'm good and protect them. Mm -hmm. And then we get into this in all the different ways, the politicians that are narcissists are doing that. The people that you think are really good, but actually are just kind of scared are doing that and all in all uh, aspects of society, we have this kind of mentality of like, you're questioning my authority, fired. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. You're expendable. Get out of my face. I never want to see you again. Why? Because you disagreed with me. And I don't like it when people disagree with me because that reminds me of something I don't want to be reminded of. Right? It's just over and over and over and over. And so I'm just, I'm just hoping that like I'm like I like the scene at the end of wizard of Oz where she pulls back the curtain. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm also the kind of person who's like, she could have done that the first time. Do mm. you see what I mean? Like she could have, there was a curtain the first mm. time she was in that room. You didn't mm. see it on screen. Cause it, you know, yeah, not yeah. part of the story. You want the whole problem to happen so right. she can have the big reveal. But I'm at the place where I'm like, no, we've already had the problem. So we're walking into this room and there's a curtain. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't need to go on the quest and then come back and put, oh, there's a curtain. I'll see what's under. I'm <laughs> going to fucking pull the curtain right now. Yeah. Like, let's get it all out there naked and free in the world. Like, let's just get, be honest right now. And um, what can we do from that honesty when enough people have the language to understand what I've just been talking about for the past hour, which is like this hamster wheel of defense will come up very quickly and enough people need to be able to be in a coalition to, to notice it and go, is it happening? Yeah. Is it happening? Are you just, are, am I, are you, are we, are they just trying to defend themselves from something they don't want to feel? Because they don't want to be erased from existence, because they think that we're going to make them expendable. You see how it works? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so you have to be the person, like going back to that Tyson story, who puts the arsonist in the middle of the circle. But I'm willing to bet that if a bunch of aboriginals put that person in the circle, they wouldn't have this expendability energy in the circle. Yeah, no. They would actually go, we need you to recognize that you're part of this. Yeah. Right. And mm -hmm. which is different than like, I need you to take responsibility and also you're expendable. Which is a little bit like Westernism, like, oh, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. take responsibility, take personal responsibility, but also uh, you're fucking on your own. Mm -hmm. You see, it's like, oh, well, now this is the problem. It's like you can't really have both. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because yeah. mm -hmm. personal responsibility is very much tied to this idea of your own personal trauma story. It's very much the same, like personal, personal, individual, personal, 
I'm a special maligned person. I'm a special abused victim. I'm a special abused hero. I'm a special tragic villain, right? It's all the same tropes, right? Every villain thinks they're a victim, right? Yeah, yeah. It's this whole thing over and over. And we get seduced into believing that it's because because there's a narcotic to being a victim because we now have power mm-hmm. because we can apply our victimhood as a weapon towards others right and no one wants to talk about this but it's the same thing it's like i want to apply my special circumstances against other people in a competition for scarce resources doled out by the state right <laughs> so yeah. so now i have incentive to compete with you patrick You see, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now I've been given incentive. I've been, I'm going to be rewarded for competing against you. Mm -hmm. Even if it's just who's more poor or fucked up. You see what I mean? Even if Mm -hmm. it's just that I'm still, and that's what I'm trying to get at is like, just notice how fucking easy it is to fall into that trap and don't fall for the con game. Right. I think, uh, I actually think that's a good place to <laughs> to leave it because that's that's it that's it right yeah. there. Yeah, and I I appreciate that time that you took to come at it from all the angles you did because I think it really settled it settles it on a certain level for me at least. <laughs> sure. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean that's that's the one thing words are kind of good for. If I create an airtight ship, it mm-hmm. will float. It will float. And yep. I'm like, well, if the ship floats, we can use it to get to the other shore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, going back to the beginning when I was, t- I was referencing our first conversation, um, I think I had to have that kind of conversation to then totally be where we are right now. And, yeah. being able and to I had to give to that. Con- and I had to be the one. Yeah. Like, that's also my experience being the talker mm-hmm. is to go have to go through all the motions of like. What's the next most truthful thing I can say? Yeah. And then I say it and I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. I maybe don't need to repeat it. I can go to the next Mm -hmm. most truthful thing. And I can build on my own knowing too, to be like, oh, right. Yes, grief and yes, whiteness and yes, all these things. And then further. Mm -hmm. So that now we're talking about Fred Hampton and the Rainbow Coalition. It's like, yes, yes. There we we go. Mm-hmm. We're, we're getting we're, there. <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting there. You know, and yep. and and it's also about not being special. It's about like constantly seeking a more truthfulness, I think, for me, or wholeness. It's like I'm not trying to become a special leader or anything. I'm really invested in like more truthfulness and more wholeness for my own sanity. Like that's all mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. You know, and then sharing that with people who maybe can't uh do that kind of research or think those kinds of thoughts because they're just not in the position to be able to do it at the moment, you know? Sure. There's yeah. plenty of people who know what I'm talking about, but they're like, um, they're really oppressed. Yeah. Or they're more, or they're like just so exhausted or burnt out, you know, it's totally real. Yeah. Um, so we're in this together. <laughs> yes. Even if we don't think so, we're in yeah. it together. <laughs> we are. <laughs> Well, um, if you feel comfortable giving some kind of plugs or whatever, I can do this on my own, of course, and doing the podcast and editing it. But uh, sure. well, I, I mean, that, I'll yeah. I'll give you a list. But um, I have a 
I have a blog that I post on Substack. It's called The Night Garden, thenightgarden.substack.com. And then me and Larissa Call have a main organizational website called animistarts.art. And those Mm. are the main places. And if you go to those places, you'll find links to like a free YouTube channel. And I I probably had like 20, did 25 podcasts in the last few years. So there's a lot of free info that you can plug into. It's there. I mean- most mm-hmm. of the info is free. I try to be, I try to share as much as possible um, because we need to have the educational base together. But um, yeah, so and I'll, I'll if there's anything other than that, I will. Uh, I'm sure Patrick will. I'll send it to Patrick, and it'll be written down somewhere. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, provide all this information. So I just want to be supportive in the way that I can. And um, anyway, I just want to thank you for the time, Dare. Yeah, thank you, Patrick. And um, as this goes out in the world, I'm also just saying, like, it's interesting to be able to cross pollinate, you know, people that wouldn't have known this and want to think through it or something like, I don't know, it's just, it's just interesting to me to kind of build coalitions, um, even if those coalitions are very temporary and sort of like online. Yeah, but it's still there's still something in the trying to synthesize and build a workable you know model together that functions as humans you know yes <laughs> in this world you know like, yeah geez. the best we can right yeah try to figure it out you know try yeah. to do it do the thing yeah all right well thank you hey everybody thank you so much for listening to this episode of last born in the wilderness If you'd like to learn more about my work, you can go to my website, lastbornthewilderness.com. Everything you need to know will be there. If you would like to support my work, there are a few ways to do that. The first thing you can do, of course, is subscribe to this podcast. This podcast is on numerous platforms, so wherever you listen to podcasts, it should be there. So consider subscribing. And if you'd like to support this work monetarily, there are a few ways to do that. The first is through a one-time donation through PayPal and Venmo. Go to paypal.me slash lastbornpodcast. Or you can find me on Venmo at Last Born Podcast. And if you would like to support my work on a regular basis, on a monthly or yearly basis, you can do that through Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash lastborninthewilderness. And if you support my work there, you will gain early access to these interviews before I release them publicly. Um, you will find other exclusive content there as well. So to everyone that is a supporter of my podcast, however you choose to do that, thank you very, very much. If you would like to leave an audio message that can be featured on the podcast, you can do that through two means. You can call the phone number 208-918-2837 and leave a message up to three minutes long. Please let me know what your intention is with the message so that I can then choose to feature it or not feature it on the podcast. If you would like to also just go to my website, lastbornthewilderness.com, you'll find a link at the top of the page. That'll let you drop an audio file if that is preferable. And that is it, everybody. Thank you so much again for listening to this episode of Last Born in the Wilderness. Have a great week.